Welcome to the Voices for Voices TV show and podcast. I'm your host, Justin Allen Hayes, founder and executive director of Voices for Voices. Voices for Voices is the number one ranked podcast where people turn to for mental health, recovery, and career advancement intelligence. Our Voices for Voices podcast is all about teaching you insanely actionable techniques to help you prosper, grow your self-worth, and your personal brand. So if you're a high achiever or know someone who wants more out of life, whether mentally, physically, or spiritually, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast right now. And as you can see, the Voices for Voices podcast publishes episodes that focus on case studies, real-life examples, actionable tips, and in-the-trenches reports and interviews from subscribers like you. Again, if that sounds like something that could help you or somebody you know personally grow personally or professionally, then make sure you join us by subscribing. That way we can head towards the goal of reaching 3 billion people over the course of my lifetime and beyond, which we actually uh, reached awareness last year in 2023. So we're continuing to, to march along, uh, getting stronger and, uh, and, and broader reach and helping more people by the day. So thank you for that. Uh, so in studio today, we are really lucky to have uh, you know, touched on you know, the career aspects uh, of you know, learning techniques, talking a little bit about personal brand. Uh, our guest today is going to talk uh, about some of those things as well as her, her background uh, and how she uh, transferred uh, from a background in healthcare into corporate America. So Jamie Stoffer is a healthcare professional. She's locally from Canton, Ohio. She has a diverse set of skills that includes leadership, marketing, clinical education, and product development. Jamie also has a solid educational foundation with a master's of business administration and a doctorate in physical therapy. She's known for building effective teams, executing marketing strategies, and fostering key industry relationships. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, for our listeners and, and our viewers, uh, how we connected uh, was, was through one of your, your LinkedIn posts uh, that thrown out topic-wise uh, was uh, on transferable skills. And it caught my eye for a couple of reasons. Uh, the, the main one uh, that, uh, that I thought of at the time was uh, as, as an instructor at Walsh University, a lot of my students, uh, whether they're freshmen, sophomore, juniors, or even seniors, go into looking for internships or full-time positions or volunteer uh, positions, and they think that they don't have the skills to attain or apply to a certain job. Now, well, maybe applying at for a president or a director, uh, you know, those types of jobs that would 
obviously need some experience uh, to, to be able to move into those roles. Uh, a person going through their education, they have a lot of transferable skills, whether it be working with groups, presenting, uh, just doing a simple project that how many projects does a college student do of picking you know, out uh, something they did well uh, and all the different pieces that went, went into it. Uh, so that's how uh, I came to know you virtually. Mm -hmm. And then we were able to, uh, through a ton of scheduling and holidays and all that fun stuff with everybody is, is, is dealing with, they get you in the studio to have you share your experience. Uh, so, could you maybe get started by talking uh, about your uh, background in healthcare, and then we can go from there? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I originally actually graduated from Walsh University uh, with uh, my doctorate in physical therapy. So, I was started in the physical therapy sector of healthcare. Um, I worked in a variety of settings. Uh, I kind of bounced around a little bit, trying to figure out where my uh, niche was and where you know I felt the most comfortable. So outpatient, acute, home health, inpatient rehab. Uh, little did I know at that point in time, I was actually setting myself up for success uh, later on in the future. Um, but it was a great learning experience for me because I got to experience a wide range of patient populations, different settings, different acuity levels, um, different billing cycles, all different kinds of things. Um, but I, I found in me kind of job jumping that I, I was trying to find something and I wasn't finding what I wanted. And so I took a role, I was director of rehab for a facility that I needed to uh, focus in on programs to get residents engaged. Uh, I needed to get healthcare referrals from the local physicians and local hospitals. So I was doing a lot of marketing efforts to get those items out. And I found myself being drawn more to that aspect of my job than what I was doing before. So that kind of was the aha moment for me of, I need to start looking for something that's a little more in tune with my strengths. So I started looking out in the community and started looking to see how can I utilize my degree today? What are my strengths and what am I interested in? Which at that time was program development and marketing. And so I started looking for roles that, could I do program development for physical therapy-based companies that are selling products to physical therapists. So I started looking around and I was able to find a position and I was able to do that. So then I transitioned uh, kind of what I, what I call the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the corporate, more a corporate-based role. Um, so I've been doing that now for, we're coming up on nine years now that I've been on this side of the fence. And I'm kind of, I'm still working with healthcare providers. I'm still using a lot of those kind of skills, but I have transferred to a completely different focus and different hat that I wear. Anytime that I'm approaching a, a problem or a, a kind of discussion around a product, it's just a very different viewpoint. Yeah, and I, I think that that's helpful on, on, on so many levels when you, you just talk about different jobs, different areas that you were getting experience with and you weren't really finding at that you know, that first or maybe the second, second role, like exactly what you're, you're looking for. Can you talk a little bit about uh, maybe kind of the emotional side of mm -hmm. how it made you feel like once you started to feel like you're in the right direction, once you started going there? Because I think that also could be helpful really to anybody uh, who's had a job and a job. Uh, you know, they might say, well, how am I gonna know? And I know nothing is 100% science, but maybe maybe some signals that you were noticing of like, okay, 
what got to that aha moment for yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. So. I think one of the common mistakes I see with people is they tend to generalize when they're not happy with a position. It's like, well, I, I don't like to do this. Um, don't generalize. Uh, you really need to kind of uh, internalize a little bit and figure out and, and hone in specifically what is it that you don't like. Um, is it that direct patient conversation that you don't like? Is it the documentation aspect you don't like? Is it, and that's on the healthcare side, but if we take this you know, in a broader conversation, what aspects of your job and your day-to-day -day do you see yourself gravitating towards first because you enjoy it versus areas that you tend to put off till the very last because you don't enjoy doing it? What are those? Now, don't get me wrong. Every single position has, has something that you don't necessarily enjoy. However, if you're consistently finding yourself, you know, avoiding getting into the data because you're just not a numbers person, then any kind of an analytic type of position, a business analyst role, is not the right position for you. We need to focus in on your strengths. Um, and so that would be kind of where I would recommend people take a look at is, and, it, and it's not necessarily 100%, you know, a, a black and white scenario of, you have to hone in on what you enjoy and what your strengths are, but being truly realistic, and it's a little bit of a harsh conversation with yourself. If I'm, if I'm to roll out a list of what my strengths are, I'm not necessarily gonna come out with a list of 14 different things. I really need to focus on two to three key things that I know I do very well and I enjoy doing it. So what are those items and how can I translate that to a role? Yeah, that's, uh, that can be cumbersome and I know for, for, for myself and myself personally, as well as students, you know, they, they do, they think of that, that list of like, oh, 15 or 20 things, and, and do we really do? We just need to hone in on two to three to get, get us started, because those um, two to three, and for anybody that's taken at least a marketing course, you go through so many different, areas of marketing, with the four P's, uh, uh, writing press releases, uh, doing creative briefs, uh, all, these, all these different projects. But then once you're out of school, unless you're running your own business uh, or at a, a, a smaller company, you're really only going to be focusing maybe on one and maybe only a piece of one of those areas that you spend all that time. So that really makes sense to, to what, what you're saying, to find that those two or three things that really match up to, to that role. And if you find yourself not enjoying it, uh, and, and granted, if, uh, sometimes people think like, oh, that, oh well, I, I'm never gonna find something I'm gonna like love. I'm gonna like, wake up in the morning and say, oh, I can't wait to go to work, or oh, I just had a great day at work. So you know, taking all the, those things aside, there are yeah. still, like you said, those, those emotional keys and cues to, to really help uh, hone, hone in. And, and it can take some time. Mm -hmm. that it's not always o overnight. And that's an excellent point because I, I, I feel, especially if, we're, you know, if you're younger, you're a student, or you're early on in your career, you're in an exploration phase right now. Those first couple years of my career, I didn't know what I wanted, and that's okay. We ask these questions to 16 and 17 year olds, asking them to figure out what they want to do for the rest of your, their life. I, I'm 38 years old, and I do not have any clue what I want to do for the rest of my life. It's more so trying to figure out what am I good at, what do I enjoy doing, and making it so my job isn't you know a terrible eight to five that I can't stand doing every day. Um, and some of those conversations go hand in hand in trying to figure out 
you know, what you what you do and what you're strong in and you carrying that on in your day to day is going to make you feel better about yourself. If you're constantly being battled with something that you're not necessarily strong in, that takes a toll on all areas of your life, including your mental health. Oh, absolutely. So you, you do uh, quite a bit of traveling for your for your role now. Uh, how much, if any, do you like the travel a aspect mm -hmm. of of what you're doing? Because uh, somebody may be listening or watching and say, "Oh, I you know, I love to travel, explore, go on go on uh, road trips," and maybe that comes out and uh, a person wanting a, a a role or a job where they're able to have some free time after they do the work mm -hmm. when, when they're traveling for a job. Yeah, um, so traveling for a position is is interesting, and, and I, I tend to cut to the the negative aspects first because yeah. travel tends to have this allure and uh, grandeur that people get pretty excited about. Um, the thing with travel is, and right now I probably do about 40 to 50 percent of my job. I'm on the road. Uh, the rest of the time I am remote and I work from my home. So there is a nice balance from that in regards to we don't have the daily commute going into an office. Um, however, when you're on the road, uh, there's, it is very similar whenever you're going on vacation. I, you can have flights canceled. You can go pick up your rental car and there's a two hour line of people you're waiting in. Those things don't go away no. because you're traveling for business. Yeah. You go through all those same kinds of things whenever you're traveling for business. But now I've got meetings and everything else that I've got to move around because of hiccups like that. So those same kinds of things occur. The other thing is, is you're no longer in an eight to five type of schedule. I might leave for a flight at 6 a.m. I'm leaving my house at three, four o'clock in the morning. I travel all day, I get to the hotel, I then have to go out to a business meeting or a dinner. And it's like, I've already put in for the day 16 hours. 16. So there's those kinds of things happen and it is very realistic. Um, so I do like to kind of point those out and kind of paint an accurate picture of what's going on. Um, but the positives are, of course, you're in new areas. I see new cities, I get to try new restaurants. I don't necessarily, sometimes, I, I've joked, uh, sometimes I'll go to Vegas for different uh, you know, trade shows mm -hmm. and I won't see the light of the sun for three days because right. we're inside these massive hotels for all these trade shows and, and kind of the day-to-day -day that goes through, through that. Um, but there's always nuances of where you're meeting new people, you're building your network. Um, I attend quite a bit of trade shows every year and it is an excellent opportunity for me to build my network. Um, and it's something that every time I go to a show, I try to walk away with at least another stronger one to two contacts within my network that I know that I can reach out and partner with later on. And that becomes, that kind of brings us full circle back to the transferable skills conversation is one of the strongest things you can do is build your network. And we hear about this all the time in school, but what does that mean? What does that mean when we say build your network? Um, and so that that is kind of having those conversations with someone at a, at a beyond kind of a superficial level um, without a transactional nature. Um, when I meet someone that I'm, I want to include in my network, I'm not hoping to gain a sale from them. That's not what the conversation yeah. is. It is more so getting to know them, understanding where their strengths and their expertise is, and then them also understanding the same about me. So whenever six months from now, let's say I meet a therapist who specializes in pelvic health, I know six months from now, and if I have a women's health conversation come up, that I can go, huh, I've got a contact for that. Let me reach out to her. And, and so that's what I mean when I say building network. It's truly about relationships without the transaction in mind. 
Um, often I'm reached out to on LinkedIn that people will have various career questions or they'll, you know, uh, something that's related to my position they want, want to communicate. All, all great, I, that's all methods to way to build your network. Um, but sometimes that transactional conversation is too much in the forefront. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're coming to me just for a transaction. You're not necessarily coming to me to understand how we can get to know each other and understand how we can mutually benefit from a relationship. So that's one of the things that I definitely recommend is don't approach things like a transaction. It's not a customer. It is a relationship. And relationships take nurturing. So that means continual communication. Uh, you know, that means reaching out and saying Merry Christmas. Yeah. Like there's things like that. Just basic conversation that you're continuing through. Get to know them. Do they have kids? Are they married? Where do they live? How's things like that? Get to know who they are as a person. That is building a relationship and that is building out your network. And that's probably the biggest thing that I see error-wise with people is they treat them like a customer and it's a one-time deal. We get the sale, we walk away. That's that's not a network conversation. No. That's that's just yeah, we need something a little deeper than that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I had a role previous uh, where I was managing trade shows, and that's absolutely not my my expertise. I'm I'm curious what if you have maybe like a funny story, uh, and I guess let me back up on why I say like a funny story mm -hmm. setup. Uh, so. Individuals might think, oh, well, in trade shows in Vegas or LA or you know, all these you know, nice areas, nice cities. But like you said, a lot of time you might not see, you could be in Vegas for five days and not see the sun. Mm -hmm. You're inside um, you know, a massive trade show hall. Uh, and ours was at the Mandalay Bay. And I guess when I say funny, uh, I showed, we showed up for the first, first day uh, of, of setup, and okay, you're you're in Vegas, and it's not quite peak summertime, uh, and it's it's not quite winter time. It's you know maybe April, May, so the weather's still pretty warm, decently, and so I thought that when I went to go help set up, besides like oh I'm going to Vegas, yeah, we're gonna be able to have all this fun and that was not the case but when we showed up the air conditioning was not turned on <laughs> and so that was like something one of one of, one of my colleagues had mentioned before is that you better be ready like uh because they're, they're they're you know they're trying to save money they're not gonna turn that ac on until they absolutely need to the the night before just to get start getting getting the temperature down and that was just like baffling of like, like, no, no, that's not the case. But then once I got there and it happened and you're moving around, you're lifting yep. things, you're, you're checking on this, uh, you know, is everybody, yeah, everybody doing what they're supposed to do? Did all the crates arrive? And if they didn't, like, where, where are they coming in? And um, is, there, is something damaged? So we had a kiosk that was damaged and had this whole like argument of, well, you know, we didn't do it. It was like, well, I saw you, I, you know, you, you, you're taking it out and it hit bang. And then like now our team had to spend like two days trying to fix it. So we lost time. So there's all those, I'd say like now hiccups. I come back hiccups, yeah. kind of funny, interesting things. And then I'll, uh, I'll finish by uh, the, the third thing was we, uh, the, the trash, uh, the individuals were collecting the, the, the trash because you know, you're, 
you have crates, you have boxes, and so you're trying to get everything as fast as possible. You're opening things, and there's bubble wrap. There's there's just all kind of it's like Christmas, like on, on steroids with with all the uh, say all the, the equipment or the, yeah. that's needed. And so there's individuals that come come around with their container, and you put your your your, your trash, and they're collecting. And so I had asked somebody who wasn't one of the collectors. We were trying to finish up, but there was a couple of things like we, we needed to we needed to throw away. We couldn't just leave them in in, in the booth because um, then we need to you know, get the sweeper and do the carpet and so all these things. And so I asked the, the person, I said, "Hey, uh, can can you help me? You know, take take this." He says, "Oh, they, they don't pay me to do that." And I, and I said, well, so what, do you, what, what do you mean? Yeah, like, what do you mean? He's like, well, they don't pay. There's people, you know, he's like, there's people to go around with these mm -hmm. bins and you put in there. I said, I know. I, and he goes, they don't pay me to do that. And just kept on walking. And it was, it was, it was funny. And then another, I saw, I say like a folklore legend that was told when I first started at the company was that there was a, a, a trade show and there was something that was going on, uh, and they ended up killing the lights and, and killing the electricity. Oh my goodness! Because whatever was going, like somebody was not on a treating one of the the, the union groups mm -hmm. well, and and so they said, they're like, oh well, you know, if you don't help us out and do this, like, well, we're gonna cut the electric. And so they did. They cut it, and it's the day before set, uh, the, the show was at the start. Yeah. And then they had to get uh, fire, the inspector out, and all these things. So some of those types of things, those those hiccups. Yes. Is there? I'm, I'm sure you have a ton. Uh, I was gonna say tons, <laughs> tons. Uh, setting up for a trade show is <laughs> an experience in and of itself. So if you've never done that before on that aspect, it is quite the learning curve. Um, but I kind of equate it to that experience the first time you set up an Ikea piece of furniture, yeah. but remove any kind of manuals. <laughs> like right. it is, you have all of these pieces of things that show up. You're trying to figure out how they work together, but you want it to come to a nice looking product at the end of the day. Sometimes you're missing screws. Sometimes yeah. you're missing pieces. You're trying to figure out how to put this together. It's something you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Um, it is very much that same type of experience, and it kind of depends on how big your booth is mm -hmm. in regards to kind of what kind of labor you have to help. Um, but I have seen just about everything. <laughs> I, I've seen booths where we've shown up and literally nothing is there. Our, wow. our, our crate got lost. Our package didn't arrive. It, the, co the conference starts, and it's just us in the booth <laughs> saying hi to everybody and, and, and hoping that, that you know, it'll show up that night. Um, I've seen products get damaged. I've seen uh, I've seen uh, people who were supposed to be in the booth not be able to make it because of travel mm. issues getting in. So then you're short-staffed. Um, just about everything when it comes to I've seen uh, we've hired help to help kind of put together our booth for us, and right. we've installed things upside down upside and down. backwards. Yeah. And you get to the show, and you're like, "What is this? Like, this it's is all not, done. It's I finished. sent a picture. This does not look like my picture." Um, so just about everything uh, throughout the kind of the trade show world.
world. And you're right, that first day, I always tell people, do not show up in your business attire. Mm -mm. Please wear yoga pants and t-shirts because you're going to be crawling around on the ground. You're going to be using a wrench to put something together. Right. <laughs> you're, you're, it's just the nature of the beast in regards to you know taking care of and setting up a booth. Um, but it, there's one of the biggest aspects of that area that I always, it's one of the first things I do anytime I'm screening somebody to hire is what is your ability to roll with the punches and your flexibility look like? If you're a very structured person, you like things to be consistent, that's okay, but that's where kind of that internal self-awareness comes. But if you can't pivot and be ready to completely change what your original plan was, it, that kind of an environment becomes very difficult for individuals because I, it, it is a constant, you don't know what the external variables are gonna be and it can literally be anything from um, I remember one time in particular, we were, uh, a lot of these trade shows occur in really big cities, which uh, the ex kind of any kind of event space is a union base. So each individual has very specific job duties um, and very specific tasks that they handle. And I remember being, we had hired in a speaker at one of these events and they wanted a table up by their podium. Uh. And there was a table on the ground, and so I naturally grabbed the table, I went to go put it next to the podium, to which I got yelled at from Union of, I'm not allowed to move furniture because it's Union. I was like, it's 10 feet. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, I, I had to pay for someone to move it 10 feet. These, these are the rules, these are the things that get set up, so. Um, but just a lot of nuances and funny stories like that that you end up running into that you know, occur whenever you're doing trade shows and the bigger they are, the, the more interesting it gets, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and to, the, to the labor point of, you contract for a period of time for an amount of resources. Once that time's up, they're, they're done. They're, done. They're, they're not hanging around. Um, and, and so to, to that point, we've had, we had booths where, it wasn't finished. Like things got in late, mm -hmm. or it was the labor's fault. The reason why we we're running behind, and when we said, "Hey, it's going to take like an extra half hour, an hour," they're like, "No, we can't do that. Like yeah. it's not." And so, of course, you have to do rigmarole. You got to call their manager and then say, "Yep, like we got, we'll pay it. it it's triple time. <laughs> like it's <Yep>. some crazy <laughs> amount." They're like, "If I'm going to stay an extra half hour, yeah. I'm going to do do this." Um, so I, I think we're at a, a good spot to pivot to a, a, a second episode of that, okay. if that's, a, if yeah, that's okay. Because totally. we're uh, so many other areas and definitely want to touch, touch on and uh, such fruit, fruitful information. So does that work for you? Absolutely. Okay. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Voices for Voices TV show and podcast. I want to thank Jamie Stoffer for joining us. She is going to be joining us for uh, part two to continue the trade show transferable skill d discussion, uh, what, what other skills she looks for in, uh, in, in interview candidates for, for roles. She, she was able to you know, talk through you know, that, that agility, that flexibility uh, for trade shows. And so maybe uh, we'll, we'll be able to find out for other, other areas that might not be trade show related uh, and that may help you or somebody you know uh, just, just be able to put some more information in your toolbox and, 
and at some point, might be tomorrow, might be in a month, it might be in six years, there'll be something I can, I can assure you will pull away from this conversation. So we're going to head on to our uh, second episode with, with Jamie, uh, but until next time, uh, I'm Justin Allen Hayes, and we hope that you are a voice for yourself or somebody in need.